my brave friends, I know that within We Are Brave, we have a lot of families who have children that experience very complex medical issues and challenges. We've got a lot of moms in our community representing kids with rare diseases. Did you know how many rare diseases there are out there? There's more than 7,000, and there are a lot of unknown diseases. And wherever you are in this journey, we care. And we know that you might or might not have a lot of repeat hospital experiences. And our guest today, who is amazing, a mover and a shaker dad in the community of rare diseases and disorders, Daniel DeFabio, has some really practical information for when you either expected or unexpectedly going to the hospital. Some paperwork that you can bring with you that just makes it a lot easier. So grab your pen and paper because you'll appreciate what he has to offer. Hi, Daniel. Welcome to Brave Together podcast. Thanks for having me, Jessica. I love what you're doing. I'm glad I get to be a part of it. Thank you. Well, I love meeting movers and shakers in the rare disease community or in the disability community. So right off the bat, I just want to say thank you for all that you've done. Oh, yeah. I figure you could appreciate it. I think we're pretty well aligned in the power of sharing people's stories and bringing people together through their stories. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Why don't we go ahead and just tell our listeners about what you have done before we get into our topic? Okay. Um, after we had our first child and within a year discovered he had a rare disease called Menke syndrome, came a point where I needed to tell the story either for myself or for others, and it turned out it was for both. And then telling the story led to making a film and a documentary about Menke's disease, and then that led to... Um, meeting Bo Bigelow and talking about where do you show films like that and together we decided there could be a better way so we created the first rare disease film festival and did that in Boston then San Francisco and then pandemic came along and we had to rethink our plans and so now we ha also have the disorder channel which is a way to see all these films as a streaming service if you have a Roku or an Amazon Fire TV stick so these are all different ways we've been encouraging others to share their stories, give them a different platform. We will actually sometimes help people make their films, or um, on rare occasions we, we actually do make the film ourselves. So it's all sort of an outgrowth of that basic instinct of, I need to not be alone, I need to tell people what I'm going through. And I just love that you're giving families a voice in this way. You're giving children a voice in this way. You're giving caregivers a voice in this way. It's so needed. I would love to see a film get made about Prader-Willi syndrome, which is what my son has, and it's rare and crazy. And, you know, that that is definitely on the dream list for sure, Daniel. Well, it's not too unlikely because uh, my partner, Bo Bigelow's facing Hal Fountain syndrome, which is sort of a cousin or related syndrome to Prader-Willi. And he, they actually go to the Prader-Willi uh, events, you know, the conventions, conferences, I mean, because um, they share some of the same research. Oh, wow. Okay. I will have to connect with Bo as well. 
So you wrote this great piece that I discovered, and we personally are not a medically complex family, but we have so many in our community of We Are Brave Together. And you came up with a way to help parents be a little more organized when they're facing a hospital stay. Yeah. For the last year, I was a resident blogger for Courageous Parents Network. So the piece was called, What's the Deal with Your Kid? A Rear Dad's Guide to Minimizing Hospital Hassles. And it really just boils down to the things I felt if I had with me on a piece of paper and I could hand to a doctor or anyone at a hospital rather than fill out the form one more time. And one of them is, what meds are you on? Well, sometimes that's a complicated question. You know, the, just pronouncing them or trying to spell them is a hassle. And then the, the doctor will say, oh, you're on this or this one, and it means nothing to me. But they use the generic, and I'm using the brand, or the other way around. I'm used to the brand, and they're giving the generic. And if you don't know that, or even if you think you have them all your tip of your tongue and you can rattle them off, um, then they'll say, not just what's the dose, but what's the concentration if it's a liquid, you know, I don't know how many parts per milligram, you know, so just having these things ready to go, multiple copies, pieces of paper, and it can save you a lot of hassle. And it'd be great if we were, you'd think we would be in the age of electronic records and they'd all share and you, but it doesn't really happen. You go from one appointment to the next and they're all in the same hospital system. If you're lucky, they're in the same hospital system. And you think, didn't, your colleague just send you the thing I just filled out an hour ago, but no. And that's the broader, I'm sure you've covered it with other guests too. The broader thing is you, you wake up to this medical system reality where you find out who's in charge. Oh wait, I'm in charge. I'm going to manage this complex care team. You think there'd be like your principal doctor that takes the lead and keeps all the other doctors in the loop. And if you're lucky, maybe there's a complex care coordinator that does that, but for most of us, there's not. And, and you suddenly find yourself needing to be a bit more expert in the hospital systems and medical care processes. True. You become the expert. You become the treatment team leader. And so what else? You, you also noted to have a list of past surgeries, but not just that, not just their dates, but you mentioned how their recovery went and if there were any challenges. And I thought that was really an excellent addition. Yeah, absolutely. Complications from surgery or recoveries from surgery, all the little details that might, you know, when they're, when they're fresh, you think I'll never forget this, but then three or four years down the line, you're like, well, what, which one was the complicated one? Or, you know, we get the question all the time, does your son have any trouble with anesthesia? And yes, he did. Well, then you think that's the answer, but then say, well, what was the trouble? I'm like, oh, well, um, on this date, it's much better if you have the actual, you know, numbers and dates in front of you and you're not just trying to reclaim your recollections in the moment. And another one was a piece of paper you might want to keep with you. You could all do this electronically if, if it's better on your phone or something. There's apps and stuff for this. But I would just say if you are going to do it electronically, make sure there's a paper backup because sometimes the medical professionals don't trust your or can't accept your electronic transmission. It's like some security risk for HIPAA, but you hand them a piece of paper and everybody can handle that. So another was your list of baselines. And I mentioned in the piece that you might never get asked for these, but it's really going to be to your advantage because for us, and I think for a lot of special needs kids, 
there's no such thing as a quick trip to a hospital. It was always a three to seven day inpatient time. And you find yourself sort of fighting to get out, saying, this is good enough. We can go home. And the doctors are more cautious and they don't know your child and they don't want to assume the risk of letting you go too early. So often it's some baseline, like we need to see his heart rate maintaining here. We need to see his oxygen levels maintaining here. And if you can say, and not just anecdotally, you can demonstrate his typical temp is three degrees higher or lower than normal, or his baseline oxygen level is always five off of normal, then they might listen to you. You know, they might say, okay, we're not going to wait till we get to the optimal number for a typical person. We're going to trust your, and it's not that they're always going to defer to you and trust you, but again, with, with, uh, with a paper trail to say, look, here it is over time. Even when there's nothing acute and chronic happening, this is, this is what we deal with all the time, and you got to let us go home. Right. So tell our listeners what you mean by baseline, and what are some of the basics that you definitely want to have? I guess you have to have some years of experience with this to start to know where you may not be typical or where your child may not be typical. But is it heart rate? Is it oxygen levels? Is it body temperature? Those are the big ones, I think. But you might get into something like chemical levels in urine or something like that, you know, if, if that's part of your syndrome. Um, and just the more you know this and you have it at your disposal to say, look, we don't need to wait for your ideal number because we know the typical number for our child. And we wouldn't come to the hospital if it was at this number. So you should let us out of the hospital now that we're back to that number, you know? Yes. Yes. That's really helpful. You also said, which I get this, a one-pager on the rare disease. So if your child has a rare disease, as much information as possible because, yes, the doctor may have heard of it, but they don't know anything. Not to diss our doctors, but, you know. No, some of them are fantastic. Some of them are whatever. They're in a hurry that day. And when I began, it's a little different now. This was uh, 10 years ago with Mankey syndrome. There was really, if you'd read 26 pages on Mankey's, you had read everything there is on Mankey's syndrome. And so I could hear a doctor rehash the basics to me, and I knew they knew all there was to know. You know, or I could tell which papers they had read and which ones they hadn't read. Um, but that's your best case. That's the doctor who did his homework or her homework. Sometimes you could see them holding the hotly printed pages in their hand. You know, they had just gone on the Internet and just gotten this information. Yes. And, and you can see them kind of like asking you to give them a couple more minutes to finish reading it, which is all fine. I'm glad they, they do. Um, but why not safeguard against that? You can certainly verbally tell them the story. You, you probably will. But when you do that, you rely on your own faulty memory or we summarize a little bit. We, we use some shorthand and we think maybe this part of the story is not that important. And who knows if that day, that part of the story is the important part. If I leave out the kidney complications because I'm glossing over some details and today's a bad kidney day, well, that's, you know, that's going to be an issue. So, I just found that if, if I had it ready to go as a piece of paper and I could hand to people, um, it was usually appreciated. It made me feel better. We could still have the conversation. I could, I could rely on my own notes if I wanted to just verbally summarize. At least I wouldn't forget things. And also in our situation, we were using a hospital that was a teaching hospital. 
And so we'd have rounds of medical students come and it took me years to figure out what was going on that these were not people that were going to treat my child. They were students doing their homework, studying my child. And I was in advocate mode and I took every question as an opportunity for a teachable moment. And I was going to make sure more people knew about Menke syndrome. And this is why, you know, we do what we do and we can improve the the rare disease landscape this way. But that was on my good days when I had some energy. And on my bad days, I'm like, oh, not another group of students that I have to explain this thing to. And I don't have the five-minute elevator pitch in me right now. And I'm busy stressing over my child's health. And you just want to know Menke's Disease 101. So here's a piece of paper, you know. And I'll still answer your questions, but maybe I don't have to do five minutes on Menke's disease. You know? Right, right. Oh, such a good point. And just thanks for bringing that up because it just validates the experience for other parents too that are just exhausted and don't feel like answering all the questions. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. What about preparing emotionally for for parents before a hospital stay or before a surgery? Like how do you get in the right headspace for for that? That that's very tricky, I think, because it's almost always a surprise or an urgent, even if you're going in for something routine, if they're admitting you, that's probably the surprise, right? You thought it was routine until they said, we're going to have to check you in and admit you. And then, and one of the other items on the list was actually how to be a little bit more prepared. It's to have this travel bag checklist. And that's actually something that came out of uh, Effie Park's podcast, which is Once Upon a Gene. And when she mentioned the need for that, I said, you need to actually write this document down and have it as a printable. And then after months of knowing Effie and working with her, we, we did that together. We, we made the printable version. I assume you're probably going to give people a link and they can find it there. But that will give you a little peace of mind in that, you know, hopefully you're, you're not just looking at the list. You've actually packed the bag. So um, when the call comes and says, uh, you're going to the ER today, you grab that bag and you have a little peace of mind that your child's immediate needs and your creature comfort needs when you're sleeping on that hospital fold-out chair thing are probably covered. And that takes one piece of stress out of the equation for you. We all learn this probably the hard way, but you think for the patient themselves, for your child, their needs are cared for by the hospital, right? There's the bed for them to sleep on. There's the that flimsy nightgown that doesn't button up in the back. And, you know, all those things should probably be covered. And sure enough, your meds, they'll ask you what your meds are, and then they'll provide your meds. But there's a number of little things that can go wrong. Like uh, my son was tube-fed only, and the size of that port might not line up with the size of the needles they have at the hospital. Or they'd have to have this big elaborate thing, and I have a nice little small thing that can solve the problem. So if you remember to bring all your adapters and Whatever it is, you know, your, your kid's favorite comfy blanket or toy or the things that turn that drab hospital room into a place you can actually live for a week, you know. I mean, I, I experienced just a snippet when Ryan had spinal fusion surgery. We were going to be there for a few days because we, we aren't one of those, you know, repeat visitors to the hospital. And I got such great information from the moms. Tell me what to bring. Tell me what not to bring. Tell me what to know. And it was really, really helpful. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, that's why I think you've said it many times on your podcast, you're, you're telling your stories as the survival guide for the next person, 
And Daniel, we don't often we get a lot of dads on the podcast. My goal is to definitely have more. And so I would love for you to share, is there, you know, if you could say, dear younger me, what would you tell your younger self earlier on in your parenting journey? Yeah, I guess some of it is the things we just covered, you know, that you should realize as early as possible that you are the lead of the team. I Waiting for someone to take that on for you is it's not going to happen um unless you you do get a dedicated care coordinator in your in your hospital system or something assigned to you that's that's fantastic if you have that um and then the other thing is these these things i mentioned to have like one sheets prepared and carried that you carry with you i i it took me years to get that clever. You know, I, I did it the hard way for eight or nine years, filling out that same requested form over and over and over again, when I could have just said, here you go. It's not exactly true, but it feels true that, um, I finally got a good system down and it was the end of my son's life. I mean, it was the last year of his life that I felt like I figured out a good way to handle the medical care needs. Uh, so maybe I was a slow learner. Oh, so you're imparting this so that our dads and parents and moms can have this under their belt, maybe a little bit sooner. Yeah. And yeah, for a lot of them, it's, it's, they've probably already come to these realizations. I know it's, it's fairly typical for the special needs parents to show up with a big file cabinet. In our case, it was it was literally a file cabinet. It was a bright orange top and it had a suitcase handle, adjustable handle at the top. And my wife would walk in and I think it was, it was all important information for us to carry with us. But I think it was also like this nice signifier as you walk into a room, like these people are prepared. They know what they're doing. Not that we absolutely knew what we were doing, but we knew where to find the information we needed to find. Yes. Is there anything that you haven't said that you want to make sure that you say to empower our parents, Daniel? Um, you know, you and I both believe, and I, I hope not everyone does, or not everyone comes to it naturally, but I think for those that are comfortable sharing their story publicly will bring onto you unexpected benefits, right? Sometimes it is just the uh, relief of putting something out there and getting it off your chest or venting or whatever, but once it's public, if it's a blog or a podcast or a film, you'll be surprised who else benefits from that story and who finds you because of that story. And maybe they just find you to say, I'm in this with you too. I'm here for you if you need me. Or maybe they turn to you for advice or they have advice that they can impart to you. It's just, I know not everyone is comfortable doing it, but if you are... I find it so rewarding, so valuable to be more open. And um, many of us say it's a terrible club. You'd never want to be in it, but you meet the nicest people. So you got to let your, let the world know you're in the club or you want to be in the club in order to meet those people. It's true. And I, I know that I'm not a private person. I never have been. And so it's very easy for me to share. And I just... I just felt compelled. I had to start writing about it. I was scared to death to put my words out there. And am I a good writer? Am I worthy of this? But I just, I was compelled to tell the story. And gosh, if I had a dollar for every 
message that I received, you know, over the last 10 years since I started blogging. I mean, now I'm infrequently blogging, but I'm putting my voice out there in other ways. You know, we would have this amazing budget for a film that I want to make. You know, it's just, it's created these beautiful connections just by being open and vulnerable and just really honest. Yeah. And I will say if anybody listening has a film or video on their rare disease story, we want to see it. So get in touch with us at thedisorderchannel.com. Okay, great. Any other links where people can find you or need to know about you? Oh, there's all the social channels. When we get back to the days of a real film festival where people gather in a theater, that'll be uh, rarediseasefilmfestival.com. Ah, can't wait for that. When do you think that will be? You know, no one can predict. And we seem to be the most vulnerable population, right? When you talk about caregivers of uh, rare disease families and so we should probably be the last people to reopen for business in a face-to-face crowded movie theater kind of environment, right? Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Yeah, we have to be sensitive to that. But man, I can't wait. Call me up and let me know. I will. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and yeah, thank you. for sharing this with our, our listeners and our parents who, who need this. You could do us a great favor by leaving a review and a rating. It helps our podcast get into the ears of more and more moms. Also, if you have never joined the international community and sisterhood of We Are Brave Together, go to our website, wearebravetogether.org, and fill out the little form to be a part. We are here to support you and validate you, encourage you, and give you resources for your journey as a mom. Thanks so much for listening.